Oh, you guys are great. Just give somebody a high five as you take your seat. Tell them you love them. You know what? I know lots of cultures have great names. I know that they do. But I love African names. I do. Because they mean like the blessing of God or God is great or favor be upon God or God's child is always going to be good or something like that. You know, you just have great names. Like, what's Olumadi? What's, what's Olumadi? What does your name mean? Like, something like God is wonderful or something. What is it? My wealth has come. My wealth has come. Woo! See, wouldn't you have a good... You have great names. You know, you know... What's your name mean? God lives. God's gift. Wow, that's great. So you think you're God's gift to men. God's gift. Sorry, God's gift. God's gift. God's gift to him. Sorry, that was bad. We're not sure about what we want. What does your name mean, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh. Well, you know, the word. <laughs> Thanks, Kev, you just killed the moment. You know, my name, Mark, it means hammer. I try not to act that way a lot. Ryan means clan leader, so I'm trying to live that one out. You know, but, but it, it strikes me that you can live in a definition of your name, or you can try and be defined, or you are defined by everybody else around you. I love African names. I wonder if you can turn with me to the book of Judges, and turn with me to, excuse me, the book of Joshua, chapter 14, and I want to read to you someone called Caleb, you're going to be surprised at what his name meant of how he lived the definition before God to kill the giants that stood before him. Joshua chapter 14, from looking from verse 6, it says this. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. Gilgal means rolled away. And God's rolled away my sin today. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, uh, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Some of us need to speak more from our convictions than our opinions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, this land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that, your ch- and that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord God wholeheartedly. 
wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised and has kept me alive for these 45 years since the time that he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old, still slugging. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I wonder how he could do that. Now give me this hill. Let me say it again. Now give me this hill. Some of you need to say, now give me this hill. Now give me this hill country. Give it to me. That the Lord promised to me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites, they were giants. It's called, they're the long necks. They were there and their cities were large and fortified. But with the Lord helping me, but with the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord God of Israel wholeheartedly. Now Hebron used to be called Kirath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man amongst the Anakites. And the Lord gave the land rest from their war. Some of you might know that there has been a new film called Mary Poppins Returns. And what you may not know is that in my generation, actually the, the original Mary Poppins was made in 1964. And uh, we all went along as children. And for those of you who didn't grow up in our culture, Mary Poppins is a, a kind of magical film about a super nanny who is able to take care of children. Okay, a little bit like some of you are today. You know, and Mary Poppins was uh, this wonderful person. And in the film, it was a musical. They had a particular song called Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, it'll make you sound precocious. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Some of you will join in that, won't you? But in the new film... They have dropped this song, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, no more. And lots of people in my generation are, of course, upset and outraged. How can you have Mary Poppins without Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? It's made us so mad and so upset that we've started saying it backwards, docious, ali, expiistic, fragile, calorufus. But that would be taking it too far, wouldn't it? But why would they do such a thing? Why would they drop such an iconic song? And the reason is that they said, we want our film, the remake of the film, to be our story, to be our definition of the character. 
Instead of many years of stereotypes of what everybody thinks she is, we want to redefine her and give her a new start. I want to say to you that it's also true of us that we learn to find our redefinition of who we are. That we learn to find out what we can really be and how we can be in life and how we can be in God instead of allowing a definition of everyone else and what everybody expects us to be and maybe even though our past is important maybe just dragging old definitions from the past and imposing them on what we are now maybe it's time that we all said I'm going to be who God has called me to be Can I hear an amen? Amen. You see, if we're going to occupy God's plans and find our place in that plan, we have to, and if we're going to remove the giants, the Anakites, and the, the circumstances and challenges that we're going to encounter in coming to God's plan, we're going to have to live from the right and intended purposes that God meant us always to have. In fact, along we've quoted Isaiah today, but in another place, in fact, Isaiah 43, verse 7, he says, Everyone who is called by my name, I created for my glory. I formed you, says the Lord. You see, he's got a perfect design for you of how you're supposed to be. In another place, in Isaiah 44, it says, This is what the Lord God says, Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb, I, the Lord, I'm the one who stretched out the earth, but I formed you. And God's got a definition of who you're supposed to be that we need to walk towards. And all the while, the world, our past, sometimes our parents, sometimes Uh, people around us are trying to redefine us into our into their mold instead of the mold in which God is trying to shape you over these first two weeks of the new year I basically have wanted just to encourage you to say you can do it with everything that's facing you you can do it And and there'll be some gentle challenges, but the main thing I want you to hear is, you know what, with God's help, I can do this. And some of you have come into the new year, and, and and you're kind of thinking, everything that's before you is difficult. And I want to say to you, you can do it. In God and with His help. And I want to speak to those people who perhaps feel a containment, a a trappedness, a, a sense of... You know, my life's just caught in big circumstances. And I know things may not change overnight, although by God's grace, maybe they will. But God wants you to get to your true self and your true destiny. He cares about your trappedness. He cares about your situation. So that he wants to move you on to who you really are So that you can face the challenges that you're facing and you can push them back. Caleb teaches us some really important points and some important lessons of how we can move our giants out of our land. How we can face the challenges that we are facing. 
I want to say to you, and I guess this is a challenge, you need to go after your giants this year. You've let some people and some things live in your life too long, and it's time that you overcame them. And with God's help, you will. You can do it. You really can. Living in the right de definition of what we're supposed to be is how we take our giants. Not being who everybody else says we're supposed to be, but being what the Bible and what God says we're supposed to be, that's a long way to pushing back the challenges that are hindering you. Let's look at the first thing. Caleb lived and spoke from the convictions of his heart. Do you remember I emphasized verse 7? It says, and I brought back a report according to my convictions. I was speaking out of something from deep within me. You see, this is seeing the world of what you believe it could be and should be in God. Of what you believe God can do. We've got to speak out of what we believe God is like before we speak into any situation. The conviction comes out of what you've been feeding your heart on. Many of us struggle with this type of language because all the while, it's, it's like, have you seen the chemistry lab, lab that, that pipette or that thing that drops? You know, when you have eye drops, we've been dropping into our hearts negative thoughts and opinions and it's dropping and dropping and dropping and it's filling our hearts and you see we've got to be careful what we feed our hearts on and what we give that input to our conviction is shaped by the right input some of you can never speak strongly because you don't have strong input instead of your convictions aren't aren't formed by opinions of others. Your convictions aren't formed by comparisons with others. In fact, your convictions are not formed by stereotypes. Let me teach you something. You know Caleb, unlike Kevin's name, which is quite a disaster there, but Ke Ke Caleb's name, do you know what it meant? His name means dog. Can you imagine partnering up with Joshua? Joshua's name means salvation belongs to the Lord and none other. God will rescue and save. That's what Joshua's name means. And so we read, salvation belongs to the Lord and dog went out. Can you imagine having a friend like that? That's how, now Africans, this is how you know what us English people feel when we look across at your names. We're going, whoa. But I want to say to you this. I don't know whether his father named him that because he was from a hunting tribe and he meant it as a term of affection. The Canaanites were a hunting group of people. But whatever he meant, it could have been taken wrongly. But what Joshua did is not allow that to define who he was. He said, no, my wholeheartedness and me being all in with God, that's what's going to define me. That's what's going to convict me. You see, we have to speak out of what our heart is being filled with, not even what our name is. This is how we go on. You see, I'm not saying we should deny reality. If a situation's not good, we don't just ignore it and put uh, blinkers on. 
But what we should do is allow our faith to work through what we speak and what we've been feeling so that then we can begin to approach situations properly. Being wholehearted means I'm all in. Have you ever met people? You say, hey, do you want to come out? And they go, yeah, maybe. And God is saying, are you all in? I'm all there, God. I'm not all the time negotiating with you whether I'm there or not. In this passage, the word wholehearted is used three times. It's a really important characteristic. And it means when Jesus said, whoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Basically, Jesus is saying, are you all in? Or is this going to be a negotiation that sometimes I'm in and sometimes I'm not there? Wholeheartedness. Have you ever been connected to somebody and you think, I'm not sure whether they like me. And you don't know about their heartedness to you. Well, sometimes God's sitting there in heaven going, you know, I, I see your praise, but I want your wholeheartedness. I want you to be all in. For me and my house, we're all in. We're all in. We're throwing ourselves in. And wherever this race takes us, that's where we want to be. And Joshua's heart of being wholeheartedness is kind of contrasted to the hearts of the Israelites that melted with fear. If you're not all in, then fears assail your life and come into your life. The wholeheartedness is being engaged with what God is doing. Are you interested in what God is doing? What's he doing in your workplace? What's he doing in your home? What's he doing in your church? It's everything about, can I just make it through the day? Or are you all in to what God is doing? You know, people frustrate God's plans sometimes. Here, Caleb, people frustrated his report. He said, we can take this land. And actually, it took him 45 years to get back to this point. At the age of 40, he said, we can take this land. And it wasn't until he was 85 How did he keep himself from not becoming sour? It was because of his wholeheartedness. See, when people frustrate your plans, if you're all in with God, you know that God's got it under control and it doesn't sour your attitude. You need to keep holding on to your promises because you're wholeheartedly in with God. Frustration can come. But frustration does not have to overcome your dedication. We all get frustrated sometimes. And instead of sitting on the side of the road and saying it's not worth following God, if you keep your heart wholehearted to God, then that frustration won't overcome you. You know, how can we be so wholehearted? What was, what was his secret? Well, he waited 45 years because he held on to what God had said. He said... Just as you've said. He said, well, God, I'm going to hold on to what you have said over me and about me. The New Testament and and the Bible says great things about you. Hold on to that. And that will keep your heart. He said also that he said he was able to keep his vigor because he was wholehearted. You know the word wholehearted actually means filled. It means filled with whatever you're connected to. 
What are you filled with? You can keep your vigor and you can keep your attitude if you keep saying, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord. Uh, this situation isn't bigger than you. Can I be filled, Lord? He kept his heart because he always kept being filled with God. He kept his heart because he knew God was solid and that circumstances change and things change, but God doesn't change. That's an interesting thing. His father, Jennifer, the word means God can turn. And we're not sure whether his father was actually a part of the people of God fully. Now, what it could mean is that God can turn because he listens. He turns his ear and listens to you. And so Caleb grew up thinking, well, God, God can turn, turns his ear to me. But whatever turned in Caleb's mind, God did not change his mind about his promises. So whatever's turning in your world, you need to be like Caleb that said, no, God may listen, but if he's promised something, he won't turn away from it. God has promised that he'd forgive you. God's promised that he will fill you. God's promised that he'll provide for you. God's promised that you can serve him. God's promised you can have a relationship with him. God promises his presence with you. God promises that you can have a sound mind. God promises that you can have a healed heart. God promises that you, you can be what you can be in God and that there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper. God promises those things. So what we need to do is solidly know you won't turn from those gods, it's from that God. So God, I promise to follow after your promises. Fill your heart with what God has said because he won't back away from it. Now it took Caleb 45 years to get there, but he could keep his heart sweet because his heart was filled with the right things. How about yours? How about mine? He believed God more than he believed his background. You know, am I right in thinking that there are some tribes in Africa that are cursed, supposedly? I want to say to you, that if anybody has told you that you're cursed or your tribe is cursed, when the cross comes into your life, he breaks every curse over you. You know, there's a few people in this place that need to give more of a clap for that because he has broken every single curse over your life. And you're not to hear things from your background or from what surrounds you. That's what Caleb learned. 
He said, well, these people have frustrated me. You, over there, because of your unbelief, you've delayed my promise, but I'm not going to use your unbelief to frustrate me, even though you've frustrated God's plans. I'm going to keep my heart sweet in the presence of God, and that means I can vigorously serve you. And then, when the promise comes, I can step straight into it because my heart is ready. How about your heart? What are you filling your heart with? It's really important that we ask, what are you fueling your heart on? What are you filling your heart with? What do you fill your mind with? That will go a long way to killing your giants. That will go a long way for you to overcoming your challenges. If you fill your heart with the right things right at the start of the year. Another thing I notice about Caleb, and to live in this right definition of who we are supposed to be, Caleb teaches us, if you've got a giant, or if you've got a challenge, face it. Have a look at verse 12 with me. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there. Now, the Anakites, the word means the long necks. It means the, the giants. It means very strong people. The Anakites were there, and their cities were large, and they were fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Now, he was not going to ignore the strong challenges that stood in front of him. And in my spirit, and I know I'm kind of repeating something from New Year's Eve, I felt that some of us are ignoring challenges that stand in front of us. And we've let them live in our lives too long. He felt that God had promised him that place. In fact, the cities were large. They were not little side issues. And they were fortified. That means that they were ingrained in that place. They'd taken root and, and taken hold. But he faced them. He called them out and said, this is in my life. This is in my way to inheriting all that God has for me. Let's look how he faced them. First of all, he said, the Lord helping me. I will take the first thing he did was by grace, by asking for strength beyond our own. Some of us are asking for God to help us to get through the day. Instead of saying, God, I want to bring your kingdom at my workplace. And you can't do that on your own. So you have to, have to, have to ask for strength that isn't your own. The Lord helping me by his grace. The reason why some things are not changing is, is because you're trying to do it in your strength. And for all that we forget and we ignore and we never ask for God's strength. I need supernatural help to live in this world. You see, you look at people who are non-Christians and you think, well, they're all coping. They're not coping. Every human being is designed to need grace and help and strength from God. So it's a humble thing and a right thing, but it's a design thing to say, 
God, I need strength from beyond me. And the Bible says, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing psalms and spiritual songs. and Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second thing that he did is he said, I will take this hill just as you said. He believed and trusted in God's word. Now, this is the foundation to facing your giants. Number one, ask God to fill you with supernatural strength. See, this is the distinctive from any other faith on the earth. We believe and we know that God wants a personal relationship and he personally fills us. It sets us apart from every other of the other six major religions. We are filled with the presence of God. And we can have a relationship with him. But secondly, he says, just as you said. In other words, I trust in the word of God. And that's my foundation. The strength of God and the word of God. As I put that as my foundation, I can face my challenges. Well, there's a third thing. He said, I will drive them out. Now give me this hill. Can I gently encourage you? It will take grace. It's going to take some guts for you to face your challenges. It's going to take some determination. It's going to take some of you focusing on the finish rather than worrying about how much you've got to go. Some of us focus on what we haven't got instead of how God has helped us this far. And some of us are not focusing on the end goal of, of Lord, you've promised me a ministry. Keep your eyes on what he's promised you, not on how far you've got to go. When I'm running, and, you know, and you could basically call my running plodding. It's not really running. But anyway, when I'm running around, if I get to four and a half K and I want to uh, go to five K, I don't want to think, oh, I've, I've got another half a K to go. I want to think, look how far I've come. Surely I can finish. Oh, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. Can I ask your help, sir? Can I just ask your help? I'm not going to embarrass you. All you've got to do is, is just, if you just stand there. Okay, can I, can I, Toby, would you mind if I just stand in the middle there? Okay, and uh, Kevin, uh, you know, if you just stand here, look, you, know, you, you need to get it. Everybody just face this way. Okay, yeah, okay. Okay, now just suppose the, these three people, it's hard to imagine, but these three people, these are all Kevin, okay? This is where we found Kevin, okay? He was here, but this is where he is now. Now, he isn't where he's gonna be, but look, he's not where he was. Do you see what I'm saying? He, he's got to here, and, and he's, he's made so much progress. And you see, one of the temptations that Kevin could have, because you're really Kevin right now, one of the temptations that Kevin could have is, is to say, look how far I've got to go. But I want to say to you, Kevin, look how far you've come. Look how far you've come. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. You know, some of us are focusing on what we haven't got instead of how far you've brought me, God, and what you have given me. Focus and be determined to finish. Not seeing the gap, but seeing the finish. You know, it's a bit like that with debt reduction. 
some of us have got some debts in our lives and it's hard being in debt isn't it it's hard when when things are piling up but if you'll be diligent and you'll pay a bit and you'll pay a bit and you'll pay a bit start focusing on what you haven't got but focus on what you have been provided for and you will get there keep your eye on there but not on the gap can I hear an amen church you know and that's what Caleb did he said I will take that hill I haven't taken it yet but I'm determined to do it some of you are at the start of your career and and it's hard but don't focus on the feelings of what you haven't got but on your determination to keep going Oh, it's almost a turn to your neighbor moment. I'm not going to do it. But just in your spirit, say to yourself, keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Lastly, let me point out something to you. In verse 15, it says, Hebron used to be called Kirath Arba. Do you remember that bit? Arba was the greatest amongst the Anakites. He was like their king. He was also the tallest. He was also the meanest. He was also the most evil. And he lived in Hebron where Caleb was going to make his family headquarters. He was the king. He was the root of the giants. We need to destroy our giants by getting down to the root issues in our lives. Not side issues. Yes, sort out little things. But why don't you focus on the real things that are hindering you? Stop ignoring this important thing over here and you're fiddling about sorting out little issues when all the while in your life you need to get to the root and dig it out and let it finish. How many times have you ignored that important relationship? How many times have you ignored that important issue that's spoiling you? Isn't it time now that you talk to yourself and to the Lord and said, Lord, these important things, I'm bringing those to you. It doesn't matter about who does the dishes and, and who washes the car. God, come and be the Lord in my family. Let's make the important issues central. You might think I'm being overdramatic. But I just want to say to you, if you don't deal with your giants, they breed. They multiply. And they become a problem later on. Can I prove that to you? Everybody, if you've got a Bible, turn to Joshua chapter 11. Look at verses 21 and 22. It says this, at that time Joshua went out and destroyed the Anakites from the hill country, from Hebron, Debur, and Anam. He used Caleb to destroy from Hebron. From the hill country of Judah and from the hill country of Israel, Joshua totally destroyed them and their towns. Look at verse 22. No Anakites were left in Israel, Israelite territory, only in Gaza, in Gath, and Ashdod did they survive. 
Later on in Israel's history, because they didn't clear these people out, Gaza became a stronghold of the Philistines who always opposed Israel. During Saul and David's reign, they were a continual pain and they raided Israel from Gaza. Where do you think Goliath came from? Gath. Because they didn't clear them out. The giant people lived there and eventually they put forward their champion to defy the armies of God because they didn't clear it out. And you know that the Philistines had a god called Dagon and then uh, the, the uh, ark was taken there and I know Dagon fell before, but where do you think Dagon lived? He lived in Ashdod and that became a center of ungodly worship. Can everybody remember that Nehemiah wanted to build a wall around Jerusalem? Do you remember that part in the Bible? And do you remember that some people opposed him? Uh, Sambalat and Tobiah. Do you know where they were from? Ashdod. If you don't deal with your giants, they breed, they multiply, and they come back later on and try and bite you. Of course, Jesus said this, you can clean out a house. And seven spirits will come back and try and take it back over again if that house is not committed and submitted to the Lord. Deal with it today. Deal with it now. Deal with it in 2019. Let's stop saying to ourselves, oh, I'm putting that on the back burner and I'll get round to it. If you don't deal with it and face it, they're breeding. So would you please stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. We really love you today. And we want you to be free. But today it's time for you to face what faces you. Face what defines you. That's the only way you can find rest. In verse 15 it says, And then the land had rest from war. When Caleb said, I'm going to face those giants, that's how rest comes. Rest does not come by you saying, maybe later. Rest comes when you face that which faces you. Now I know this might seem a lot of pressure, but bit by bit, by God's grace... Caleb didn't win the hill country in a day. So here we go. You need to face your challenge. Name it. Now if it's the person sitting next to you, don't say it out loud. (laughs) But in your spirit right now, you need to face your challenge and call it. You need to name it. Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it smoking? Is it debt? Is it gambling? Those are the negative things. You need to call it out and say, I'm going to face it this year. But what about the positive things? Is it, I want to be in ministry. I I want to have an intercessory ministry. I want to up my prayer life. I want to know more about the Bible. Face it. Call it out. Then you need to grace your challenge. If you face your challenge, you need to grace it, bring it to God. The giant in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. You know, I want to say it again. The giant in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. I mean, in fact, I'm going to say it again. The giant in front of you is not bigger than the God inside of you. Amen, church? 
The giant in front of you is not bigger than the God inside of you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's not just a catchy phrase. It's truth of the scripture. The giant in front of you is not bigger than the God inside of you. Amen? You need to face your challenge. You need to grace your challenge and understand that God willing, you can face this. You need to resize your challenge. In other words, connect your heart to God and then compare your challenge and the size of your challenge to the size of your 